I just want to read the first psalm, just part of it out of the Amplified Bible. It said, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable in the Amplified is the man or, or woman who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax where the scornful and the mockers gather. How many would like to be blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable? Now, just about everybody here right now and, and many that are, some that are in sound of the voice, this goes out to all over the air, all over the country, and the nation. I uh, know that I've been teaching on authority for some time. And it, it occurred to me as I sought the Lord this week, but many people say, well, wh what's that for? You know, I come out with all this wonderful revelation, <laughs> congratulating myself. No, I'm just kidding. But they say, well, what's it for? Uh, how, can I, how can I use that every day? You know, I thought about that. And it's real. You know, we can teach about all these things. We can go to Psalm 8 and see that we're created a little lower than God. We can go to Luke 10, 19 and says, Behold, I've given you authority over all power of the enemy. And, and, and all these scriptures, what, what are they for? I don't, maybe you think, I don't need them. I've got a great life going here. What, what, what is it? What's it all about? And then we have to think about who these, who these uh, other people are. And I'll get back out of that Amplified a minute. Who are these ungodly people? Who are they? Who are the scornful? You know, who, who are these people? Well, there's a lot of them around walking in the flesh, but you know, they get their food somewhere. They get their food somewhere. In other words, they don't come up with all this weird stuff. Like we have a presidential candidate right now that's really working hard to get free abortion for everybody. How many think that's a good idea? Well, but that's what she's putting out there. We need free abortion. We could kill more babies that way. I just read a deal this morning, uh, not trying to get off on a negative start, but at the same time, yeah, there's some things that we need to deal with because uh, I want to bring it home to, about some things. But, okay, one of our super uh, actresses of the day who has family that's believers but she was bragging, came in on an email to the Right to Life that, that she's so happy she had a nice, simple abortion and did not have to give birth to that child. Big voice. Just bragging the fact that she's able to terminate this thing, see? Well, where do they get their information? See, we have, we have something to deal with, and let's go to 1 Peter 5.8. And I'll guarantee you this is going to wind up on a positive note. But in verse 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay, well, that won't be me, will it? I'm way above that. I mean, I'm a good Christian. I go to church occasionally and, and uh, you know, on and on and on. Why should I be concerned about that? Well, first of all, it says something about here that he that we are to be vigilant. What's vigilant really mean to you? If you're a military man, it might be your life. If you're somebody else, it might be your life in this day and age in America. Uh, we don't just want to walk into great big uh, 
cities or great big gatherings and not be kind of watching what's going on. You know what I'm trying to say? You can say amen once in a while if it's okay. It's like we have a big celebration in our city over the weekend, right? We shouldn't just walk around and just not be kind of seeing who's there. I don't. I'm not walking in fear. But I'm not going to just walk around and not pay attention to who's there. Can we afford to do that today? No, because he said kind of be vigilant, kind of, kind of be paying attention. But it'll apply to other areas, and it says that we have an adversary. Well, we don't talk about the adversary a lot. I've talked a lot about authority. We've talked about those kind of things. But he is the enemy. You know, in, in Ephesians 6, it says our enemies really aren't, they're not really flesh and blood. They're principalities and powers. They're, they're something that's, that's ruling and bringing things into people's thought process. Can it be you or me? Better believe it. Just because we haven't had a message to go kill somebody lately, there might be other things that have entered into your mind lately. Are they just there? Are they just because your mind is kind of, you know, it's kind of programmed this way and we have these thoughts? Uh, are they just something that's normal? See, it's time to think about this, isn't it? And, and we think about, well, if everything was cleaned out, there was no evil in the world and we're already up there, we, we're in heaven now, you better believe you're not going to have evil thoughts. Why? Because somebody's locked up, right? The enemy's locked up. Not able to produce thoughts because there's, uh, you know, they talk about low-level devils. And uh, people say, well, you can't have a demon if you're a Christian. Well, you don't have to have a demon. It's those voices that, that tend to walk in and fill your mind with things. Does that make you a bad person? No, but you need to be aware. And today, uh, I believe what I want to do is, is bring a few things to the surface here because it's clearly an enemy out there. And he can affect your life. He can affect my life if I'm not vigilant, if I'm not paying attention. I just take everything as I see him, you know, well, there it is, there it is, or, or whatever. And it says he walks about like a roaring lion or as a roaring lion. He really has no power of his own. But they have plenty of ability to get into people's minds. And so you wonder, well, how could people say that? Or how could they do that? Well, through the years, the suggestions and so on. And, and we just live in a time when, man, the, the political thing has gotten so harshly divided. I mean, it's always kind of been that way. But I think 30, 40 years ago, it was a little harder to divide things. The further we get, the easier it is <laughs> to see the black and white. And that doesn't mean that one political party is better than the other. I'm not even saying that, but you just listen to, to what's going on. When you have somebody standing up wants to be the head of our nation, and they say, well, we need free abortion. We need more. We need more. We need more. But putting things, well, who would put that into her mind? See, who would perpetuate that and make it sound like it's good? Well, whatever. I won't try to analyze that. But uh, let's talk about a couple things here. And see, these may none of apply to you personally, but they will apply to somebody. So let's just talk about, you know, uh, in Mark eleven twenty three, we're all familiar with that. Whoever shall say into this mountain, go to it and look at it. I mean, it's always good to look at these. These are, these are not only promises, these are what he told us to do. He said, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. You could digest that a lot. In fact, you ought to be quoting that just about every day of your life to get it solid. That's saying if you speak to something that shouldn't be there, it's got to go. And it'll go if you believe it. Now, if you just say it and don't believe it, it may not move. It may not be a mountain. But let's talk about some things that, that are prevalent in people's lives. And I'll take one of the worst first. Depression. How do you get rid of depression? Well, the first thing you want to do is say, depression, go, in Jesus' name, right? That's a good start. But then you want to do something else. Do you know that most people that are depressed, it's because of one of the things that's plaguing our nation right now? Self-investment. They're worried about themselves. A, a, a good cure for investment, a, a depression is go out and reach out to somebody. Pray for somebody. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they just... Uh, all down and said, well, you know, walk out, get out your door, go down and love somebody. Go find somebody down at the, where, ice cream shop, the filling station, just go say hi to somebody and, and put something in them, invest something in them, you know, tell them Jesus loves them. Do something, right? Do you know that, that, that depression in colleges, campuses is at an all-time high ever right now? And right behind that, an all-time high in colleges now is suicide. Okay, let's say you get a thought for suicide. And if I were looking at all the people that are going to hear this voice, I'd look at them in the eye and say, don't look so religious right now. You've, had, you've been tempted to think about suicide if you've been depressed or down or feeling sorry for yourself. So what do you do if that thought of suicide comes? I mean, just this week I talked to a person that said, I said, how are you doing? Well, I'd, I'd really like to go home. I said, home? What are you talking about? Well, you know where my real home is. Well, I'm not going to stand for that. Talk about wanting to leave the earth, right? So what do you do with suicide thoughts? I don't receive you. Suicide thoughts go in Jesus' name. Go. But you have to speak to these things. And then you need to do something else. You need to find, read some word. Get some life. Get some things that God's invested for you. Amen? Another thing that seems to be obvious is uncertainty. People, I don't know. I just don't know. You know, well, speak to that. Isn't that a name? It didn't say Jesus is a name that's been named that's above every name. Uncertainty is a name. If you start thinking this way, it'll help you a lot because you see these things. What do I do with uncertainty? I tell it to go in Jesus' name. The Bible says give no place to the enemy. I'm not going to give any place to uncertainty. What if you have it? What, what did, well, get some goals. Because I'm going to give you what to do besides tell it to go. You've got to do something else. If you're uncertain about it, just get a plan. Make some plans. Goals. Go somewhere. Well, what if that's not God's plan? Well, he'll tell you different. You know, people say, well, I just don't want to do anything. You know, I'm waiting on the Lord, that kind of stuff. We've all heard that if we know Christians. Well, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, he's waiting on us. Many times I haven't known what to do, but guess what I do? I go do something. You know, I've had thought, well, that's, that's not good, but you know what we used to say, that do something even if it's wrong. <laughs> you know, you've heard that saying. In some ways, I agree with that. In some ways, I want to be led by the Spirit of God. But, you know, there's something about moving out that God can take us somewhere. It's when we're sitting, pouting, looking in the mirror or, or looking out the window and wishing we're somewhere else it's, it's kind of like it kind of that's where we're going to be 
Am I speaking to anybody today? <laughs> Not here, of course. Uncertainty go in Jesus' name. I don't receive uncertainty. What are you going to do next? God will tell me. I'm going to do something. Maybe I don't know today, but I soon will know. Get a plan. Get some goals. Another big one that, that flushes out people, and it's kind of a spirit, is anger. Hey, sometimes, you know, Christians want to dress that up like uh, righteous indignation. Well, you can be discerned. You can be upset with people. That, that's, that's true. But you always want to look about who's behind it. Remember, our enemies are not flesh and blood. The real enemy is not your, your, the person that made you mad last week. That's not your enemy, is it? The enemy is what's behind that person. And if you start looking at people that way, it'll help you a lot. Because you won't be so quick to judge them or quick to do that. But it might be you. Well, what is it that makes you anger? Well, that's a sore place. That's a stronghold. You know, I talked about strongholds here like a month or two ago. I was talking about strongholds in the mind. Well, you know, the devil, uh, working through people, he may not have any power, but he's able to kind of pick up on these things that trip your trigger, that light your fire, make you sensitive to certain things. Well, what I'm trying to say today is we don't have to stand for it. Sort those things out. In fact, you can ask the Lord. If you don't know it already, you know what things, what things uh, kind of salt the wound, <laughs> so to speak. If you can't figure it out, ask the Lord to help you. How do I deal with this? He'll give you some word. Another one's frustration kind of goes along with uncertainty. You don't, shouldn't be standing there for frustration, right, Greg? Frustration's just something else to, to mess you up, pull you away from things. Frustration. It's kind of like a time waster, standing around frustrated. Well, if you're going somewhere, you probably don't have time to be frustrated other than when you know, you're working on equipment can't fix it or <laughs> you something in your house won't work. Well, instead of being frustrated or wasting all that time, just ask God how to handle your situation. Frustration, go in the name of Jesus. All these are mountains. They're just little, maybe little hills, but they screw your life up if you, don't, if you let them. They slow you down. They take your focus off of the higher calling, so to speak. Amen? Here's a bad one. Critical spirit. Man, I know that one well. Unfortunately, I was bathed in that as a child. Bathed in it. Years to come out of it. Years. Critical spirit's bound up with fear. I haven't talked about fear yet, but a critical spirit indicates the spirit of fear is operating in your life and through your life. It's a fruit of fear. You can get all that stuff. It's kind of a fruit of fear, really, a lot of things, because uh, it's, it's, I, I don't understand it. It's an insecurity thing, but those are all spirit of fear. Do I know about those? Yeah, I, I know about those. I was an extreme. You won't believe this, and I don't want to talk about me so much, but I was an extremely bashful child. I mean, I'd hide under anything. You know, I didn't want any attention. It was just... But you can kind of see how God had to do a lot in my life to bring me to whoever I am today. From a bashful child to a teenager that was embarrassed, anybody even looked at me. And it wasn't that I was, should have been, I was very popular in school and, and you know, all those kind of things. But it was an insecurity, it was a fear operating, fear. 
didn't want anybody to look at me. Fear, fear. So, a lot of people that have a critical spirit, you know, they're, they're just kind of making up for all the things that are dampening their lives. What do you do with a critical spirit? Tell it to go in the name of Jesus. It takes years to weed the garden. You know, when I realized how much it was governing my life, even as a believer, uh, I just had to work literally years to get it cleaned out. And when I thought it was cleaned out, I went on a, a fast one time and wasn't even fasting for that. And it got all done. And, you know, you kind of come out of a fast and then you start asking the Lord to kind of show you some things. And he showed me some more fruit of that. Said I'd criticize the pertinent uh, minister. So that's what I'm going to do. He said, well, sow something into him. So I called him up and put a $100 bill in the envelope. I didn't care if he understood it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? didn't matter to me if it made any sense to him. But it helped me continue to get over that, that hill and to, watch, and to watch that stuff. Ephesians 6.12 works in that realm. Because it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Dealing with your own mind. Critical spirit. Who gave you the right to criticize somebody, see? Who gave you that right? But look what it did to you. See, people that are critical, they're usually trying to build themselves up over and above the person they're criticizing. Hey, there's no time for that. We have a lot to do here <laughs> in these last days, don't we? We don't have time for these kind of things. Okay, let's go on here a little bit. Uh, uh, unforgiveness is a big deal. What do you do after you say, tell unforgiveness to go? I'm serious. If you've got some unforgiveness, speak to it. It's a mountain. It's probably one of the biggest that will hold you back in your life. It may be the biggest. And the reason it's the biggest is because people that walk in that, they have what they call a root of bitterness. And that's a, that's a, a demon power that's big if you don't take care of it. Root of bitterness. You know what a root of bitterness does? It, well, of course, you have out of that, you have that fruit of jealousy, uh, all those things. And they'll divide families. They'll divide churches. They'll divide cities, nations. What is it? Divide and conquer, right? If the, if the evil one can come in and do something to stir up anger in your, your, your family or anything or whatever, it'll be an unforgiveness. And, you know, talk about people that, that have a list of people they've, they hate. That carries on for generations. And the sad thing from what I've studied is those kind of things that root of bitterness many times can cause diseases. Uh, particularly like arthritis. I'm not saying if they have arthritis, they have unforgiveness, but it could be. Many cancers open up because cancers are living things that enter people. So you say, well, how could that be? Well, speak to it. Minister to your friends about it. Forgive. You know, Mark 11:25 covers that. You know, he talks about speaking to mountains, speaking, talks about believing. But then he says, if you want this to all work good, when you stand, stand and forgive. Amen. Good preaching, Gary. Obviously, fear uh, is another one. I alluded to it. But, uh, you know, if you're, there's fear operating in your life, which I did for many years until I got a lot of teaching and understood how to root it all out. It's a, there's so many things that are 
motivated by fear that you don't even know is in your life. Obviously, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. You want to build your faith, but also you speak to fear. I refuse to fear. I tell this story, uh, and I'll tell it briefly. It's not a secret that Sandy and I are in business, and we uh, had had a business that I guess had been going at that time about 10 years that we'd started all by ourselves from scratch. Lord gave us some ideas. We started this company. We're doing fine and had an opportunity to take on a new product uh, from this guy, this manufacturer that was a powerful product. Well, we didn't know anything about it. Uh, He presented it to us. We paid him quite a bit of money for the rights to it, and he began to... build uh you know we of course do our own labeling and all that kind of stuff and so we're we're happy with the products very powerful well we were in denver at the time had a loft and i'll just tell the story how it was we had a lot kind of a business loft at the time and we're shipping this stuff out and, and no problem and one day i'm i'm took a whole bunch of stuff to fedex at that i'm walking back into this condominium which had doors you know you go to two entry doors to get into it. And there's this guy looked like some kind of a messenger or whatever you want to call it, not a delivery guy, but he had, and he's trying to get in our, the place. And and I looked at him and I said, that's strange. And what can I do? Well, I'm trying to find this such and such uh, an apartment. I said, oh, what do you have? Well, I've got something for him. Well, he, it was our number. And I thought, Something just told me, you know, something tells you. <laughs> I said, well, I'll tell you what, I may see him later. I'll tell him you're out here. And I walk through all those secure doors. I walk in, my phone's ringing, and it's the Rocky Mountain News. And they said, what are you going to do about that federal lawsuit that was filed against you this afternoon in, in uh, district court in Denver? And I just like, have you ever swallowed the phone? <laughs> Because who is mad at me? We had never used an attorney in building the business. I do all that myself. We'd, we'd never had a problem ever. I just, and I, I'm like, I'm in shock. And, well, it turns out, just moving ahead, that uh, we kind of went out the back door and went over the court and got the lawsuit, see what it was all about. Well, it was a big multinational corporation with big teeth. And they were coming after us over this product. And the manufacturer said that we'd done this. It was, uh, it was just lost. Well, my story is this. I was literally numb. I thought my next step was I called up an attorney. I go in there, and the attorney looked at this, and he says, well, I can answer that with a letter. That letter will cost you $20,000. I said, what? Well, he said... And if we have to go the next step, it's going to be 50000 And if we ever go to court, it's a half a million. I said, yeah, but we're not guilty of this stuff. Doesn't matter. He said, we've got to go through the process, and it's a federal court, and you can't, you can't even uh, do yourself. You can't even represent yourself in a federal court if you don't know that. Well, I have to tell you, Mr. Faith Man, I was numb. I couldn't think. I, the fear had a hold of me. And you uh, might have challenge you a little bit too because i'm thinking lord we've never had a problem we've come out of a lot of stuff we're doing all right but i can't afford that (laughs) there's it'll we'll be broke again (laughs) 
you know, it had been several years since we'd, we'd had to go through that. And so that was on me for several hours. And all of a sudden, the light bulb came on. And I, I said, okay, Mr. Devil, I've got it. I refuse to fear in Jesus' name. Now, that may not sound powerful to you, but do you know what happened right away in seconds? God gave me what to do. But until I did that, I wasn't even hearing from him. I was locked up in fear. Couldn't hear him. I said, now, Lord, tell me what to do. And I'll just tell you from there, it was a process. We got all done. I paid a little bit to a little bit of it. That whole thing wound up in a big, big hearing. And it was just, we watched God work the whole thing out. They, they were right, but they were coming after us to get to the manufacturer. And that all came out and when it's all said and done. But I want you to glean from this right now. You let fear operate in these things and you're, you are blocking out the Holy Spirit. You're blocking out God's ability to speak to you, to tell you how to walk out of your situation. Living proof. I'm so glad I got some teaching on that many years ago. Amen. Amen. Think how think how cool that is that you can say words that change your life and you can do it instantly. I refuse to fear. It'll happen many times when people are maybe uh, all of a sudden diagnosed or you know maybe you have a child that's that's uh, you know rushed to emergency room and they're maybe not going to make it. Fear is the enemy. Amen. You bind up that fear. And don't let anybody bring fear into you either. You know, when I get in those situations in hospitals or somewhere, I'll figure out a way that they can get the fear mongers out of there. If I want to deal with it, I'll ask somebody to take the people that are full of fear out of there. I want faith people around me in these things. Might be your life, man. It was your life. (laughs) Right? So we get this thing back in our court, right? We pull things into God's system. Not the devil's system. Because what did Jesus say? The thief, the devil has come for one reason. To kill, to steal, and destroy. That's all the reason he's come. But he said, but I have come that you might have life. And what kind of life? Abundant life. John 10.10. Read it often. The thief has come but to, for to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. That's the greatest dividing scripture in the Bible, as I've been taught by my people that I've fed on for years. That tells you God's good, the devil's bad, and, and if you want to have God working for you, keep the devil out of your life. How do you do it? With your mouth. Is this easy? Is it hard? <laughs> it, it's just the way it is. So anyway, we could go on from there. But here's another, another big one that, that a lot of people live in lack. You can speak to lack. But I want to tell you something. If, if you're in lack, there's got to be the tithe. It's absolutely not negotiable. And the reason it is is because in, in Deuteronomy 8.18, uh, we can go there. I've I've heard debates by the hour over whether we tithe or not. And I'll tell you what, Deuteronomy 8.18, just look at it. He makes a comment here in 17 that you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me the wealth. 
He's talking about the children right now. 8.18 says, and, I, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for he that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers and to this day. You want part of his covenant, he costs very little. 10% of your earnings. People want to say, was well, I gross or net? Well, give him some money. Do something. 10%. Easy. Sandy and I have been tithers from the first day we even heard about it. And, you know, I told a story, and I'm getting towards the end here, but I told a story probably last time or the time before about going through a real problem, real tough time in the late 80s. The Lord gave us direction on how, what to do. We were in debt and so on and went to California, and immediately tremendous prosperity came into our life. It took us into a tremendous opportunity. It was, it was amazing. And I thought about, you know, I didn't tell what happened before then. We'd pioneered a church. We tithed off of that church. We tithed up, and we got in a little opportunity here. It wasn't little. It turned out to be really good. And we started making a little money, so people came along and helped us in our church. They then went to the mission field. We wrote a check every month for as long as we could for 500 a month. It was sacrificial giving, plus we were tithing. Then we kind of got behind it and actually had the church tithing to two missions. I don't talk about 10 bucks a month. I'm talking about uh, another missionary and got the church and committed it. Well, we a couple hundred a month and then offerings every once in a while. In other words, we channeled, we got into some giving that was above us. I flew an airplane part-time for some local corporations out of Rapid City and Custer. I said, Sandy, when I get a check for that, I want 20% to be given away. Okay, so then we got behind and we got in debt, and we had to finally, and the Lord wanted us to move on. So I wanted you to see what happened before he dumped that prosperity on us. We'd been given sacrificially a, a big time for quite a while until we didn't have any more to give. But see, he, he then took us to where he could bless us. Now, that's a story, but it's a truth. If you want his blessings, you've got to get involved with your checkbook. And you can go to, I, I feel time is important here, but it's like a, a disease and an antidote. Uh, <laughs> but 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, I like the Amplified Bible. So let's read it, what it says. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with blessings. Verse 7, Let to each one give as he has made up his mind and pur purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, takes pleasure in, prize above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace... Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. How many like that abundance? Amen. Well, here's the, here's, the, here's the recipe. The ladies like recipes in the kitchen. Here's a recipe right here. And it's the heartfelt part that's interesting, but it's also the sparingly, generously, and so on. It all flows together. I've watched people that just seem to be givers by calling. They never are out of money. One of my good friends that I've... He says, I spent thousands of hours teaching him the Bible. I don't think it's that many, but whatever it was, he's a very good friend. And, and the guy, he doesn't even go to church. 
prays every night, but I don't know if he reads his Bible much. But the guy is a giver. And I have people wonder, how does he do it? Because he goes out and he does these things. He makes money and he goes and does something else makes money. And I've heard people criticize him. Oh, man, he's a horrible operator, doesn't take care of his equipment. You know, I hear him say all these things. But he keeps right on going. He's a giver, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's also a motivational gift. There's some people that's a gift in them. But for the rest of us, we just do it because he says to do it. And he said he's, he said he's able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances, whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require aid or support. Good scripture, amplified Bible. Lack, don't operate in it. Speak to it, tell it to go. Uh, and then do those other things and uh, stay with it. You know, and the bottom line is there's just a lot of things out there. Small thinking is something that plagues a lot of people. I mean, you get into a community probably uh, like LEAD, uh, as of many, and, and other places, they're small thinkers. If that's you, think big. You know, don't think about so much what you have. Think more about what you desire. What's God speaking to you? There are no barriers, especially in this time of our life. I mean, Moses was 80 before he moved out. You might say, well, that was back then. Well, the guy lived in the desert. I mean, we have running water and refrigerators, and, you know, we have all this stuff. He had a, he had a pole God gave him. He said, do something with it, right? Huh? Didn't he? And, and last time we talked about Joshua, when he began to prepare Joshua to take that seat over, he was 80. I'm 73. I, I look at this last year, starting a year ago with what we're doing now, as, as was like a next phase of ministry for me. 72 years old. What, what, what are our barriers? And you know, the, fun, the amazing thing about it is that God wants us to move on, especially right now. He needs warriors. He needs an army of believers. People that spend time in the Word, people that are new to the Lord, getting a hold of this thing, He needs us. Rather than us, uh, you know, like that first psalm, going out there and, and you know, we, we all kind of come from this community here in a way, but uh, it doesn't matter where you come from. There's a lot of people that want to drown you with their negative, and they'll do it with, sounds like a lot of wisdom. So, well, by golly, you can't be doing that, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, you can do that. you got to step out above it all. I'm not, Sandy and I are not better than anybody, but we've had to keep our vision out there. In fact, right now, we hinted at a vision several months ago, told you more about it. We're going to press into that a little more. We don't care what anybody thinks. People can't figure us out. But see, it's just a simple thing of believing God and continue to plant seed. Continue to do that because that's the finances. That's our source of finances to do things. And I don't care if they figure us out. Somebody really close to me the other day just can't figure it out. Because, you know, they all want to limit you to where they're at. But see, we, we keep going. We get a vision. We get a goal. We go on. We go on. We don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly in Psalm 1. We don't stand in the path of the sinners go out there. We can be amongst them, but we're not of them. And we don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Those are real things. 
But when you think about First Psalm, think about where these particular individuals seem to be, think about where they get their information, and think about where you get your information. You replace all that with your system. People around you talking about all this stuff, say with your mouth, I don't receive it. You're in a conversation, you just kind of easy to flow into this conversation, you know, talking about how this is or how that. You out of your mouth need to say, I don't receive it. And I'll do it under my breath, maybe because, you know, I don't want to insult somebody, but sometimes I'll say, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Why? I want to keep myself clean. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm working on it. God had a big project with me, and I don't know that it's done yet. But we keep on going, don't we? What's the ultimate thing that God wants for us? The ultimate thing is what he talks about in, in 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, praying for leaders and so on. He wants us to have a quiet and peaceful life. And, you know, we can have a quiet and peaceful life in the midst of all the stuff that's going, all the bad news, all the stuff. People, I mean, there's always been bad news. We think we're worse than ever because we think our nation is really is sitting in a place there. But that doesn't mean that we can't move on. We have the Holy Spirit, so in your cattle business, what do you do? You don't follow what everybody else is doing. You follow that wisdom that's from above. One of my teachers talked about having inside information. So what's that inside information? Well, it's not a political inside. It's the Holy Spirit working in us to bring the wisdom up. And he can more freely do that when we stop these other things with our mouth. We, we, we just step on all these things, the depressions, the suicides, the uncertainties, the anger, the frustrations, and so on. They're things that we speak to, keep them cleaned out of our closet. Does that make sense? If it doesn't make any sense, I better quit now while I'm almost ahead, okay? Well, praise God. Anybody get out of anything out of this today? Amen. Praise God. Well, me too. It's fun to talk about these things because they're real and they really do affect your lives and our lives. And I think, I think the bottom line too, another bottom line, there's many bottom lines, but I think the more we, we do these things, but then make ourselves reach out to other people. You know, help somebody else's life be better today. Because so many people are just, it's all about me, all about me. You know, it's all about me. Well, it's not all about you. It wouldn't have to be all about you if you could reach out, if you would, reach out and love somebody. You know, people are looking for love. <laughs> Maybe in all the right places. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's stand right now. Thank you, Father, for this message today, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom from above that is peaceable. Lord, thank you, Father, and full of wisdom, Father. Thank you, Father, for your anointing, your words. You know, we praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for these people here. I pray, Father, as they go about their day, Father, this word will be enriched in their hearts. It will sink in there solid, and it will give them another base, Father, to ward off the evil and to bring about the blessings that you have for them in store, Father, and you want them to have in, in Jesus' name. Amen.